I want to actually just share on something that Phil shared on. I think uh, his word was uh, shared with such a beautiful passion, um, such a beautiful anointing. He spoke on Gideon, um, if you remember correctly, and he, he, he brought this beautiful picture of how to be fearless. And, and I remember after that service how people came. I, I, I was privileged enough to lead the worship on Sunday and how people came to the front saying that we don't want to walk in fear, but we want to walk in faith. We want to live our lives out for Jesus. And, and deliverances took place on Sunday, and beautiful things happened. And, and uh, I believe there are testimonies and, uh, of, of even in this group of what God has done, of what God has done. And, and if you've got a testimony, you've got to maybe ready yourself for this moment. I might call on you. Um, <laughs> But I, I want to speak on that this morning because Phil mentioned a few things. He, he mentioned how what we should do. He, he, he pointed the picture to, to Jesus Christ. You know, Gideon standing. We all know the story of Gideon in the wine press, right? We all know that. We're going we're gonna to maybe spend some time with Gideon this morning. He was hiding. And we talked about there was a place of fear for him. It was a place of hiding and how certain things can happen in our lives uh, that will paralyze us. Fear will paralyze us into hiding, into actually doing stuff that we shouldn't be doing and keeping away from the things that we should be doing. It's almost like what Paul said, you know, the things that I don't want to do, I keep on doing them. And the things I want to do, I don't even get to them. And this is where Gideon was. This is where Gideon, Gideon was. It's like, a, it's like a, a, a workman trying to work on something, but he's got the wrong tools. Trying to thresh out wheat in a wine press wasn't the idea, but it was because of the oppression of fear of the Midianites that was upon Israel that brought them to that place. And a few guys here sitting here said, like, listen, I feel like I'm in a place where fear is controlling me, where I'm not doing the things that God has called me to do, but I'm actually keeping myself busy with things and I'm struggling through life. And then eventually what Paul said is that we should turn our eyes to Jesus. We should remember who Jesus is, who God is. We should remember the God who has, who has been faithful all these years. We should remember him and have our eyes. And we cannot do it on our, our, ourselves. We need to put our eyes upon Jesus. That's what he basically said. That was his whole sermon. And then he said there are a few things that we can do. We should get out of the wine press. That was his one point that he made. And we should choose to destroy idols out of the story of Gideon. And we should actually rise up and go to war. It's interesting this morning that God has placed a bit of an emphasis again on he's the one leading us into battle so in a sense what God is saying to us as a church here is like guys God came to Gideon not just to bless him because he was a good dude and he wanted the best for Gideon God came to Gideon because there was a warrior in Gideon that needed to rise up there was a battle that needed to be fought. And God needed Gideon to step out of his place of fear into that place of purpose that God had for him. But 
What I want to speak about is the journey. Because I would love to know, can't God just come like, you know, like that fairy came to Cinderella and just go, ping, and I become a warrior? Wouldn't that be nice? If, if, if God can just come to me and say, listen, I make you a warrior right now, and I stand up, and I fight the battle. That wasn't the case with Gideon. And it won't be the case with you. It won't be the case with me. It won't be the case with this local church within what God has called us to do in this region. There's a journey that God wants to take us upon. So maybe in the next few weeks, and we'll, we'll still discuss it as, as, as elders, but we want to unpack those last three points. What does it mean to get out of the wine press of our lives? How do we do it? Yes, there's a moment that you came to the front. Some of you came to the front. You had an amazing encounter with God, with His Spirit. But guess what? Sunday was done. And Monday happened again. There was a time that Gideon went to the wine press and something happened that it never brought him back to that one place. I would su suspect that his one place, the place where he was threshing, where he was working out his life, was a constant daily battle, a Monday to Friday, Monday to Friday, over and over again. But when God stepped into his life, something happened, something powerful happened that journeyed him out of that one place into a new purpose, into something else that God wanted him to do. And then obviously we're also going to look in the future, but today I'm just going to look at how to journey out of this wine press. Because Phil said, the first thing that we can do is get out of the wine press. I would love to get out of the wine press. But sometimes my circumstances just push, pushes me back. So let's go and read Judges 6, because I think it's something we didn't do on Sunday. And maybe, maybe you've forgotten how to open your Bible or that you should actually bring it to church. <laughs> and if you don't have your physical Bible here, you've got a phone. Quickly download the app. Bible.com. Because we're going to read together this morning about what God has done. If you've got a photographic memory, praise God, you're off the hook. Guys, we should get into the Word. I'm not saying we should be walking with the Bible under our, our armpits, but I am saying that when we get together, we should have the Word, to learn from the Word. Judges 6, verse 11 to 24 says the following. It says, um, this is him in the wine press. This is after Israel was crying out to the Lord. And I think Judges 6 verse 1 says that they had no king. Israel had no king. They were crying out to the Lord because the Midianites oppressed them and they were living in fear. The whole nation was living in fear. And then in verse 6, after there was a prophet that was sent to them, that said to him, 
basically he said to him, I was the God that delivered you out of Egypt. I called you. I set you free. But yet you did not listen to me. You are sitting in this situation of oppression because of your own disobedience. That's basically what the prophet said. We suddenly jump in verse 11. We jump to a story where the angel of the Lord, verse 11, came and sat down under the oak in opera that belonged to Joas the Bezerite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. What a beautiful sentence. <laughs> Can you imagine God coming to you? Just so, by the way, in the by and by, God meets you in your place of struggle. That's the God we serve. You would suspect that or expect that he would actually come to you in a loud voice coming in the thunder and lightning, but sometimes he comes with a whisper in the place where you're struggling, thrashing out wheat from Monday to Friday, and you're wondering, what am I doing here? Don't miss his voice. He said to him, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, this is Kidian's response, my Lord. Now, I just want you to notice something here. It, the word is very clear when it starts. It says, the, the Lord, capital letter, is with you, mighty warrior. When it speaks about the angel of the Lord, it talks about Lord, capital letter. That is Jehovah. That is Jehovah, the, the Lord of lords and the King of kings. When the angel of the Lord appeared in the, the Old Testament, it was... It was Jesus appearing in the Old Testament. So just, just take note of that. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And when he answered him, pardon me, my Lord, Scripture gives it into small letter. Gideon does not see him as Jehovah. He sees him as sir. It was a it was a term of endearment, a term of term of respect, but it wasn't you are my God. He was in doubt that that was just a normal man to him. He said, "Pardon me, my lord," Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all these wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said? Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us to in the hand of the Midian. The Lord turned to him, again, capital letter, and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? He says, Pardon me, my Lord, again, small letter, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. And Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign 
that this is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord, capital letter, said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went aside, inside, prepared a young goat, and from an ephah of flour he made bread without yeast, putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot. He brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. And then the angel of the Lord touched the meat, and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire fled from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, Sovereign Lord, capital letter. I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it the Lord is peace. And to this day it stands in opera of the Hebezeritus. Hebezeba. What a beautiful story up to that point. Immediately after this portion of the story, God gave him his first mission to break down idols in his dad's house. But before you can get to that point, you first have to journey out of the wine press. And the journey out of the wine press is not as easy as it seems. The journey of the wine press is a journey that each and every one of us will have to undertake. You see, because the journey out of the wine press for Gideon and the journey out of the wine press for you and me is a journey towards God. It's a journey towards who God truly is. See, he was living in fear of the Midianites at that point in his life. The nation was living in fear of the Midianites. When God revealed himself to him, he suddenly had fear because he realized there's something bigger than the Midianites in front of him. And God had to say to him, do not fear. God wants to tell you today that, listen, the journey that I will take you on will probably be fearful. But you do not have to fear because I am there. And I am God. You see, the journey out of the wine press is a journey for you personally to get into a personal relationship with God. It's interesting for me, though, how Gideon actually perceived life, how he looked at life. What was his world view? Now, we are here in South Africa, and we are the secure world. Look. Other people in Switzerland have a whole other world. And I want to tell you this morning, what you see determines where and how you walk. What you see determines where and how you walk. And what I mean by that is what Jesus said in Matthew 6. Let's quickly turn there. Matthew 6. Matthew 6. Verse 1. 
verse 21. And then we will look at the perspective that Gideon had. Matthew 6, verse 21 to 23 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. I've seen a few men and ladies this last two months where their treasure is truly. You're willing to pay between 18,000 to 137,000 rand for one ticket to go and watch the rugby game, excluding places to stay and flights. It really tells you where your heart is, right? But then Jesus says in the next portion of the scripture, He says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? How great is that darkness? So, so what gebeur hier met Gideon? Hy sit hier so, bezig om koring uit te trap, God Almighty stands in front of him, looks him in the face, and he tells him that he's a mighty warrior. Just take note that God never actually mentions the battles. He never mentions the circumstances. He never mentions the millionites. God mentions what is in Gideon and what God sees in Gideon. Didn't he say that? What was the words that he said to him? Mighty warrior. The Lord's with you, mighty warrior. Isn't that an encouragement that you would like to hear today? What was Gideon's response? What was his perspective? What did Gideon see? When the Lord stood in front of him. And I want you to realize that sometimes this is exactly what we see when the Lord stands in front of us. When he knocks on the door of your heart and he tells you, Martins, I am with you, mighty warrior. Then sometimes our response is like this, pardon me. But if the Lord is with us. Why is all this happening to us? Where are all the wonders that our ancestors have told us about? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of the Midianites. Can you see the perspective of, Israel, of Gideon in that moment? I believe that there was darkness in his eyes. I believe that he didn't see God. He didn't even realize God was there. And he was on his journey towards God because God was knocking on his door and saying to him, Hey, 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 wake up. I'm here in front of you. And all he could see was the circumstances around him. 
God was speaking to him directly and all he could see was how bad Eskom is. And how terrible this nation is. And then what did God say to him next? He says, you go and you fix it. In our journey towards God, what God will do is he will put the finger on your heart. When you come before him and you cry and you say, Lord, look at this world. Lord, look at our lives. Look at my family. Look at my marriage. What will God say to you? Why don't you fix it? I'm with you. Why don't you love? I'm with you. But Lord, she doesn't love me. But Lord, we'll wait for four years till the next election. But Lord, we've got these excuses in our hearts. And the reality is, is that we are not seeing God's intimate approach to our hearts. We're not seeing that he's knocking on our doors to actually have an intimate relationship. He's actually sitting in our circumstances with us. He's sitting there in the freshing field with us saying, I am with you. And we're not even seeing that he's there. There's a doubt in our hearts, in our eyes, because we don't see him. Gideon believed that God has forsaken him. Was it the truth? It wasn't the truth, but his words tells us what he believed. You know, sometimes I listen to people and what they say is actually exactly what they believe. But it's not the truth. His relationship with God was so bad that he didn't even recognize that he was talking with God. As a pastor, I can tell you a lot of times that people's relationship with God is so bad that they do not even recognize the truth anymore. When the word is presented to them, and the word says you should love your neighbor as you, should, as you love yourself, you say, yeah, but you don't understand, eh? If you were treated like I was treated, your relationship with God is so bad that you don't even realize that he's knocking at your door. And he's still crying out that I love you and I want to walk with you. I've called you for a purpose, but you threshing out and you've got your eyes on that prize. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to run through this. I've got to do this. And when they tell you, listen, I'm with you, say, yeah, but you understand. Ek weet God is met my mom, maar eindelijk weet jy wat God het van my vergeet. You see, our moving towards God will expose the wrong doctrines and the wrong theologies and the wrong thinkings of our minds. Would you say that Gideon had a wrong theology by saying that God abandoned them. 
His thinking of God was wrong. His thinking was wrong. We are so stuck in the way that we think about God. We think about church. We think about doctrines. We think about our beliefs. About who God is that we miss God. When he's actually intimately approaching us. Just like the Pharisees missed God. And let me just say this this morning is that we can be in danger of missing the spirit of the Lord and what he wants to do. The move of God in our lives. We can miss it because we are stuck, stuck in our wrong beliefs. Unwilling to listen to the one that's knocking on our hearts. And then what happens with us? We return to our hiding place. We return to our place where we are paralyzed. We return to the place where we stick it out and we do our best. We are busy, but we are unwilling to soften our hearts to receive him. You see what happened with Gideon in that morning? That time, that day, that powerful day that his life was changed was God came to him. And what God wanted is Gideon to receive him. To receive him. If you want to journey out of the wine press towards God, your beliefs and your doctrines and your theology will be challenged, like Gideon's was. And in reality, our past experiences. Because what shaped his worldview? What did Gideon's world seeing of uitkijk verander? His past experiences. Not his relationship with God, but experiences shaped his worldview. And our experiences, our past experiences, our past hurts, has, they, they have the ability to keep us focused on our own strength, Instead of trusting in God. Proverbs 3 verse 1 to 6. Going to read Gary's favorite verse. It says, my son, do not forget my teaching. But keep my commandments in your heart. It's not talking about experience. It's talking about the word of the Lord. For they will prolong your life. Many years. Most of us today in South Africa. We've built our theology around our experiences. What we believe God is because this is how I've learned how God is. Instead of what God says he is. We've not kept his commandments in our hearts. We've not learned to trust him. But our lives will be prolonged. This is what the word says. Many years. And you will be, it will bring you peace and prosperity. How many of you are living in peace and prosperity right now? Not as many as was at the gathering last week, I, I suspect. We've, we live in a false type of peace. More like a peace within the wine press. Listen to what the word says. It says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. 
Is that your own works of love and your own works of faithfulness that God is speaking to? No. Let me tell you, your love is failing. And your faithfulness is nothing to write home about. But His love and His faithfulness, let that never leave you. Do not lose your intimate relationship with God. That's your way out of the winepress. It's a journey towards God and His goodness and His love. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and men. Why with men as well? Because God will be leading you to the right type of men. And He will lead you through the right type of obstacles. It's favor with God first and then with men. And then it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Kom, laat ek jou vertel hoe werk hierdie ding. Laat ek jou vertel wat is fout in hierdie land. Own understanding. Any sentence that starts with I instead of the scripture. It's your own understanding. When the word of the Lord says, speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing to one another that. We say, let ek jou vertel hoe dit werk met sing in die kerk. Geen mens kan sikke liekie sing nie. Waar is die boord vanochtend gewees? Korlie kon dit nie aan elkaar inpas nie. says, do not lean on your own understanding, but all your ways. Submit to God. You see, what God was looking to when he was coming to Gideon was he was looking for a man that was willing to receive him, but looking for a man that was willing to submit to him. Not in some of his ways, but in all of his ways. And what will God do when we submit our ways, all our ways to him? Come on, he will make our path straight. He will not take away the path. He did not say that he will make it an incline or a decline. But he did say that he will make it straight. Straight, narrow, Set upon him. You see, our battle that we are facing is a battle towards God. And it's a battle between the seen and the unseen. And if we lean on our own understanding, we will always look at the seen instead of the unseen. We will always look at the flesh instead of the spirit. But God's heart is for us to move towards him. The, th the second thing that I saw on this journey out of the wine press is that our journey towards God will be marked by sacrifice. You see, sometimes we want to follow God without any sacrifice. You see, it's easy to say, let's just get out of the wine press. But in reality, there was a journey for Gideon out of the wine press. He had doubt in this person that was standing in front of him, telling him all of these nice things while he was trying to counter it with negativity. 
and his understanding. This man who we know is God continued to encourage him, continued to tell him that he is going to be with him, that he should not fear. But our journey out of that wine press will be marked by sacrifice. You see, there was a moment where Gideon said, well, look, look, this guy's not leaving me. This guy's continually to nag me. He's continually saying me this wisdom. Can't he see that we are under oppression? Is there something about this oak? Why is he looking at the world in a different way? Why, while everybody else is swimming downstream, there are some people swimming upstream, and I like it, but I don't understand it. And we know what Gideon did. After this guy, well, after the Lord came to him, in verse 70 to 21 of Judges 6, he says, If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that is it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. I love that. God will never force you out of your wine press. He will wait until you're ready to make the sacrifice. Vian, come here. He's got a testimony. I'll believe the testimony. Is it okay? Um, we, we've been walking together for five and a half years. We know each other for, for that time. Uh, Vian is only 28 years old. I know he looks much more mature. But God has blessed him with an amazing calling upon his life. But he was stuck. Am I right? He was stuck. And I don't know, as a leader, where, why. Saw leadership potential on him, still see it, but stuck. Couldn't walk into it. And um, we started walking a very narrow road together from six months ago. And one of the main things that we trusted the Lord for was a breakthrough because in being baptized by the Holy Spirit. And uh, I want you to tell where you were last week, weekend, and what God did. Yeah, I think this testimony actually comes from from the 412, actually. Um, we didn't hear too much <laughs> on the 412, but if I can sum it up in two sentences, Andrew said um, that our career is not our calling. And then the next morning, Dan said, our gifts are not to build our own empire, but to build the kingdom. And that's the two sentences I took away from the 412. And... Um, yeah, coming into the Wednesday just before um, before last week's gathering, um, we had a business meeting, me and Ines, and we, we spoke to some fellow friends, we believe, within the agricultural sector. 
and they said, um, yeah, we wanted to do a statistical, statistical, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> planning, and to see where we can work together and everything. And um, yeah, we sat there, sat there for about one and a half, two hours, thinking where this is going to go. And within the within our meeting, they said, yeah, this one company actually started the same ground team that we did, and we we wanted to. We were in connection with them, but nothing came from them. And so they <laughs> told about another company that the same thing happened. And immediately I started feeling boxed in. And <laughs> by the end of the meeting, they said, but yeah, we don't want to come into your face or anything, but we're going to do the same thing. And immediately I'm thinking, how, um, oh, what, what now? And uh, I can feel we're getting boxed in now. And I'm with that, with 412 saying our career is not a calling, and I'm saying, Lord, I don't have plans anymore. I don't know where the road is going, but I trust you because I don't know what's next. This, this doesn't make sense, and we don't know where to go. Um, so then we had a funeral in um, Lime Acres um, the weekend, and we went uh, the Friday, and the Saturday was a funeral. It's 1,040 Ks from Montague. Um, so we went to Friday morning, uh, we came there Friday night, Saturday morning, and then we left at about half past one. And we came back, we were fully committed to be at the gathering, we thought, well, we're going to do this. Um, we drove for four hours, and the first <laughs> time we said, where, where are we more or less? And we saw Beaufort West, 400 and something case. And we're thinking, we've been driving for four hours, how is it still 800 case till Montague? So that was, uh, it was difficult. We went through a sandstorm, three um, tornerstorms. Yeah, it was just hectic. And at about 11 o'clock in Essen, I thought, what are we doing? This is just too much. And we're feeling tired. And as we came through the Kua, <laughs> it was very slow driving just to stay awake and really concentrate on to where we are going. But we were fully committed to come to the gathering. Um, so we got at home about one o'clock, went to sleep at about two, and Linka woke up at five. Um, so it was <laughs> not a lot of sleep. I remember the m morning when Claude saw me, he's like, yo, you look tired. <laughs> um, and within the service, we really, j I really just struggled to be there. And for a while, I thought, what, we did all the effort to come and through the night and, yeah, uh, Andrea and Linka was particularly difficult that morning. Andrea and the old time in my face, and Linka is really sleepy, but she doesn't want to go to sleep. And it was just difficult with them. And I'm thinking, yeah, we're here, but we're not here. And um, yeah, through this, through Phil's sermon, he ended off um, wanting to pray for people who were fearful of something. And I, I um, took the invite, and I went with Andrea. And, um, and yeah, one of the things I'm also, well, I was fearful for is um, is to pray in tongues because in the worldly perspective, it's a bit weird. Um, but I knew the gift and I went with Claude and he, he um, told me what the gift is about. So it's something I longed for but still fearful of. And yeah, I went there. Um, I went to the front and after a while, Ines came to take Andrea because <laughs> again, I was struggling to, I was there but I'm struggling still. And um, there's this one guy, I can't even remember his name, but he put his hand on my shoulder and he started praying in tongues behind me. And um, as I <laughs> heard him 
praying in tongues, I, I say to the Lord, I don't know how to open this door in my heart, but I give you permission just to kick it down. Just go, kick it. <laughs> it's fine. Um, and as I said, it, I try to, to word the things that I feel in my spirit. Um, and it's starting a little bit word, word, word. And then I felt this really intense heat <laughs> on my body. And it felt like a, a thick duvet coming over my body. And then I just felt the world just going. <laughs> um, and I'm thinking, wow, Lord, this is so cool. And just when I stopped, um, I saw a vision of myself just standing there. And when I opened my eyes, I looked down at my feet. And there was this big, thick shackles. And they just bursted off. It's not like a falling off. They bursted off. And I remember the tears coming out of my eyes. And I'm not sure what, you know, <laughs> how to act even after that. But um, yeah, that's what what happened on last Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I can't love you. The power of a sacrifice to journey out of your wine press. You see, the moment when Gideon gave the sacrifice, he was still in doubt. I don't know about you, but I think preparing a goat and making bread takes quite a while. It's quite a sacrifice to allow somebody that's unknown to wait for you because I want to prepare something for you. What Vian and Ines went through to travel all the way with two young children, most people will say it's absolutely stupid. It is, but it was a sacrifice. And the interesting thing is, what he said was, he didn't feel like the sacrifice being there was actually worth anything because they didn't get anything. But did you read that story of Gideon? The sacrifice he brought, he didn't even bring it in the right way. But God's grace and God's mercy and his love towards us is so beautiful that what God did is he guided him and said, listen, put this meat on the rock. Throw out the broth. And God provided the fire. In that moment, I can tell you now, you can go to Vian and you can try and Tell him that God does not exist. And he will tell you, I have met my Lord and Savior. I am traveling and I'm moving out of this wine press. I'm actually going out of it. You see, what happens with us is, and I'm going to land with this. As we journey with God towards God and we're sitting Walking our lives out, the voices of the Lord come. The voices, and I say voices because the church, the elders, the leaders will come and say, Guys, we need to bring a sacrifice of praise. Guys, we need to bring a sacrifice of our gifts and our talents and our time. And the Lord will say, I want all of you. 
And the doubt will rise in your heart because you are threshing out and you're doing your best in this climate of circumstances that you didn't ask for. And you're thrushing out and you're walking it out and you're hearing these voices and the doubts are there. So I'm not sure this is God. I think it's just Lord. I think it's just Gary. I just think it is just, you know what? I don't, I don't see God that way. But in the midst of that doubt, God will come to you and he will ask you, what are you willing to sacrifice? And he will wait until you are ready to bring that sacrifice. Until you are ready to journey out of this wine press. And when you are ready, he will provide the fire. And the response that will come is, you will fall on your knees and say, Sovereign Lord. Because you will see in your mind's eye the shackles that were bounding you that you didn't even know was there will be coming loose. It will be shattered like Vian saw. You see, our journey out of the winepress is a journey towards God. It's a journey that will be marked by sacrifice. And let me just tell you one thing about the sacrifice. Our covenant relationship with God is birthed where sacrifice takes place. And you don't have to bring anything this morning because the true sacrifice was paid. Jesus Christ paid the complete sacrifice for you to be able to journey out of any winepress, out of any, any hole you find yourself in this morning, any place of fear that is holding you back. God has paid the price completely. You know the most amazing thing that happened when he fell on his knees and he said, the sovereign Lord you are God. I have met you. When Gideon fell on his face before the Lord, and the Lord said, do not fear. I'm with you. What did Gideon proclaim? He built an altar that said, the Lord is peace. From that moment onward, Gideon wasn't looking for peace in the winepress or in the circumstances around him. He found peace in the person of Jesus Christ who was a complete sacrifice. You see, when Jesus says that he comes to this world not to bring peace, he was talking about the type of peace that we are looking for in a winepress, the type of peace that we are looking for in the places that actually paralyzes us. But he is bringing us into a place of war. He's called us into his army. And then he says to his disciples before he leaves the earth and he leaves the Holy Spirit, he says, my peace I leave with you. Not the peace that the world gives, but a peace that surpasses all understanding. You see, Gideon had the fight to go to the next thing, to break down the altars because he didn't it wasn't because he suddenly had an extra skill because he was upskilled in something. It's because he was a sheep following a shepherd that led him to peaceful pastures. He was a man following God because he met peace. And I can tell you one thing. If God didn't want him in the wine press anymore, Gideon realized there's no peace in the wine press for me. The peace is in the person of Jesus Christ. The peace is where he goes, I will follow. What he says, I will do. 
That is the peace that Gideon found while he was journeying out of the wine press. My question to you this morning is, do you see God as this one knocking at your door day after day? You know, as Christians, we walk through this world and Jesus, I just, you know, he says that sometimes when we walk this road, we need to, we don't need to be washed, but sometimes we need to have our feet washed. Sometimes we walk and we get involved in the things of this world and it, and it steals our joy and it paralyzes us with fear. We look at the circumstances of this world and we wonder, we haven't experienced God for a while. Where is God? You know, even in my life, I, I sometimes feel like God is far away. Without realizing, I've made a wine press out of church and the things that I want to do for God instead of just spending time with the Lord. Say, Lord, this is what I have. I don't have much. I will come back for a service driving a thousand kilometers for you. I will do that. I'm not sure if it's going to work, but I'll, I will sacrifice that because I want to be with you and I want to be with your people. That's what we undid. Sometimes I need to put away my plans for a week and say, Lord, I just want to, just want to, I want to close the doors and just worship you in my house. Get out of the wine press and sit under the oak tree with you. And hear your voice because I know you're God. I know you're God. And my vraag aan jou vanmorgen is, nie wanneer laas het jy God ervaar nie, maar wanneer laas het jy a tree gevat in geloof om iets op te offer? so that you the goodness of God can see and the strength of God in your life. It might be like Annie that made a sacrifice to go to a foreign country for three weeks while she doesn't have a vocation. And she didn't go for a holiday. She went to preach the gospel. She went to do an outreach. It was a sacrifice. Yes, it was lovely because she saw some family, but she met so much more family in that time and what God did was he brought fire to that sacrifice my encouragement to you this morning is that you are not called as a Christian to thrush out in a wine press you are called as a Christian to follow the angel of the Lord to follow Jesus into the battles that he is fighting because he is peace he is peace. And the battles that you are facing, trying to stand on your own two feet, trying to make things work, is probably the areas where you need to surrender to God. And say, Lord, come and take over my life this morning. The Lord is peace. I want you to close your eyes. There's a story of Elijah coming to a, a town. And there's a widow that she's picking up sticks. And he's like asking. He was just fed by some 
birds. There was no rain. There was drought. He was hungry, coming out of the desert. He sees this widow, and he asks her, can you, can you give me something to eat? And she says, I have nothing. The last thing that I have is for me and my boy to make, and then we'll eat it, and then we'll die. You know, sometimes when you're threshing out in the wine press, you feel like you've got nothing to give. Elijah said to her, if you are willing to make me that food and sacrifice it, you will not run out of oil or bread and flour until it rains again. In that moment, there was a war going on in her heart. A war of doubt. A war of the flesh versus the spirit. And that's the, exactly the same type of war that's happening in our hearts every day. Are we going to trust God completely? Are we going to trust God to get out of this wine priest to follow him? Will he be our peace while we still love and sacrifice? Or are we going to back down and say, sorry, sir, I can't help you. Sorry, Lord, I don't see what you're saying. I'm praying in this moment as you close your eyes that you will clearly see the situation where you are in. I don't know your situation. I don't know exactly where you're standing, but I can tell you this. God is there. He's there with you, and he's calling you by name, and he's saying, the Lord's with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So I want to give you that opportunity this morning. Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. He's the only way to life. He's the only way to peace. This morning, if you feel like you want a journey out of this wine press, you want a journey out of the rat race, and you want to put your eyes on Jesus, don't you just want to stand with me and say, Lord, I want to put my trust in you this morning. I want to walk in faith. I want to give you that opportunity to do that.